Welcome to the Herd and Ten podcast. Here's your host, Jake Frutinski. Welcome to another episode of the Herd and Ten podcast. I'm your host, Jake Fortinsky. You can find me on Twitter at NFL. You can also check out any of our dedicated social media accounts on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. Just search Herd and Ten or Herd and Ten podcast. We're posting content there constantly. So if this weekly show isn't enough, please go follow us on Instagram. Give us a follow on Twitter. Like our page on Facebook because we're putting really good Buffalo Bills content there. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, hit those five stars. Give us that five-star rating. We would really appreciate it. So let's get right into this episode. I want to start with some housekeeping. So recently, the Bills had their rookie minicamp, and now they've entered their phase two voluntary off-season workouts. I want to note that, that it's voluntary. So not every player has to show. But actually, the Bills had an incredible attendance for phase two, which I should note is May 17th to May 21st. So it will be ending on Friday. I'm currently recording this just prior to. So Phase two was voluntary or is voluntary and 75 players showed up for this. That's a really good sign. That shows you how much these players want to work, how badly they want to make the roster. From phase two, there will be phase three, which is May 24th to June 18th. Now, Phase three is going to allow in-person meetings and classroom instruction. The teams are actually going to be allowed to have organized team practices for 10 days out of their entire phase three. However, no live contact is permitted, but drills are going to be allowed. So seven on seven, nine on seven, 11 on 11 drills are going to be allowed. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. And then, of course, mandatory minicamp is scheduled from June 15th to June 17th. So it's nice to see that in the voluntary period, a lot of the Bills players are showing up. These guys want to either brush up on their skills or they're fighting for a roster spot. And that takes me to the main part of this section of the episode. And that's the kick returning position kick returner slash punt returner so the bills have an interesting scenario here because they lose pro bowl returner andre roberts who has been an excellent returner for the bills now i would argue he had some ups and downs last season and the the cash is an issue we know the bills are up against the cap and they just needed to find ways to save money and that's why they didn't keep andre roberts but who's going to now take over that spot? Because you have a lot of guys in the mix here. I would imagine at this point, Isaiah McKenzie is the favorite. 
But just behind Isaiah McKenzie, you have a lot of really talented players. You have Brandon Powell, who the Bills just brought in in the last couple months. You have, of course, rookie draft pick Marquez Stevenson. And then now you have a guy who they just brought in for a workout. Don't know if he's going to sign, but that's Jeff Bidet or Bidet. There's a lot of guys in the mix here, and they all bring something unique. Isaiah McKenzie is the only one, though, that brings something more than returner ability at this moment. He is by far the best receiving option. I've said this before, but I'm convinced Isaiah McKenzie could be our fourth receiver easily. Even with this loaded roster. And if someone went down, he could step up into the third spot if need be. I don't see how Isaiah McKenzie won't win this job. However, if the Bills really prioritize and they want to protect McKenzie because they know he's their next receiver, he's their next man up, maybe they want to keep an extra guy strictly for returning, similar to what they did with Andre Roberts. Because Andre Roberts didn't really play as a receiver a whole lot. He pretty much was only playing as a returner. So I think there's a possibility that the Bills could do that where Isaiah McKenzie will stay with the receiving core, and if a guy goes down, his snap count will go up, and the Bills will keep someone specifically for returning. So that breaks down, basically, into just a few guys. You have Brandon Powell, you have Marquez Stevenson, and you have Jeff Bidet. I'm going to call him Bidet. Honestly, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but let's just go with Bidet. I feel a little French today. Let's look at the size of each of these guys. Let's see what they bring to the table. So we look at Brandon Powell, 5'8", 180. Then you have Marquez Stevenson, 6'190". And then you have Jeff Bidet, 5'11", 182. Okay, so really Brandon Powell between these three is the only one that's significantly smaller. Jeff Bidet and Marquez Stevenson are very similar in size. What's interesting is knowing what these guys' 40-yard dashes were. I believe Bidet's was the fastest. He ran a 4-3-4 in his pro day, which is pretty impressive. Marquez Stevenson, not quite as fast. He ran a 4-4-5. And then you have Brandon Powell, who ran a 4-5-9. So he's quite a bit slower. I honestly, just straight up looking at the numbers, I'm not super confident about Brandon Powell making the team. We have to remember something. And and I talked about this last week with Mookie Hawkins. And that's that the Bills like to keep their rookies. They believe in the guys they draft. And they're going to give those guys the best opportunity to make the team. It's not to say that Brandon Powell won't make the team and be the returner. It's not to say the Bills won't sign Bidet and then maybe he becomes the main returner. But it just seems less likely. It seems like they would want to go with the guy they drafted. There's a reason they drafted Marquez Stevenson. Yes, he was a late-round pick, but they obviously think he brings something to the table. They obviously feel that he could make the roster. You wouldn't draft him if you didn't think he could make the roster. Or at least be a part of the system and keep him around. 
Maybe he ends up in the practice squad. I don't know. But the point is, when you go in the sixth round, yes, it's a late round pick, but the team is drafting you on the hopes that you'll prove that you belong and that you can make the team. Now, he may not be the fastest between these three, but he's right in the middle. Not to mention he has size. He's a little bit bigger than Bidet, and he's quite a bit bigger than Powell. That, to me, tells me that he could be worth keeping around. Make him the returner. And even if he's a good returner and he isn't great at it, because of his size, maybe he has the potential to become an actual receiving piece for the Bills in the years to come. Because I don't think Stevenson is going to be playing a whole lot as a receiver this season. The Bills receiving core is just too loaded. Barring serious injury to a lot of guys, Stevenson should not see the field much if he makes the team. The only time he should be seeing the field is in special teams. And he's certainly big enough and he's certainly fast enough to do that. So when I look at these three, I see Marquez Stevenson winning that battle. The Bills have drafted him, so they obviously have higher hopes on him. He's bigger. He's probably going to be pretty hungry to make the team. And he's gotten a lot of support from players on the team. I believe it was Tredavious White who really was supporting him when Stevenson got drafted. So I have a feeling he's going to fit right in. It just comes down to does he prove enough in training camp, in the preseason, to make the roster? And the other question is, are they going to go the direction that I'm saying? Are they going to just leave McKenzie as a receiver? Or do they want McKenzie to return? Because if he's also returning, it's going to be really, really tough for any of Powell, Stevenson, or Bidet to crack the roster. Probably one of these guys is going to make it. It's just hard to know which one. At this point, I would put my money on Stevenson. And that's strictly because of his size and the fact that the Bills drafted him. And that might seem silly to you. But what else am I supposed to base it on at this point in time? Because the other two guys are not amazing proven veterans who have proven that they can be amazing returners or amazing receivers. Both those guys are borderline roster players. And Stevenson just got drafted. He's younger. He's fresher. He might be someone who the Bills can have more opportunity to mold. And we know the Bills like that. They did that in the first two rounds of the draft. They drafted guys that they can mold. The Bills want players with potential and a skill set that they can then take and develop into what they need for the team. Not just for that specific player. And I think that those things are going to be the key pieces to helping Stevenson beat out Powell and maybe beat out Bidet if he actually goes and signs with the Bills. So, not a ton of content this week. There's going to be a lot more coming because there's going to be a lot more practices to watch. When they enter phase three, we're going to have the OTAs. We're going to be able to watch a little more there. For now, that's what we have for this first part of the episode. And coming right up, I haven't even mentioned who's coming on. We have an exciting guest in Matt Marchese. Matt Marchese is both a writer 
and a radio host for Sportsnet and Sportsnet The Fan 590. So this guy knows his stuff. He's a big Bills fan. He's a huge sports fan. And he's an expert in the football industry. So he's a great guy to bounce ideas off of. I had a great chat with him. He actually ended up changing my mind about something. And that's specifically talking about the defensive line in Ed Oliver. In just a short period of time, he was able to change my mind. So I really think it's worth listening. He's got a lot of great points. He's a really super smart guy. So please stick around. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we get right back, we're going to be talking to Matt Marchese of Sportsnet. Thanks. It's the gift-giving season, and now there's a great card game that gives you action on any televised football game you watch. Just add your family, friends, and fun, and you have The Drive. Playthedrive.com. If you miss The Drive, you miss the party. Playthedrive.com. Hey, Bills Mafia. This has been a crazy year with a lot of changes. Good changes like the Patriots not sitting at the top of the AFC East. But this year has certainly brought some challenges and has made it harder for us all to connect with our fellow sports fans. If you are a big sports fan like me, then you need to join this new sports fan community called Playing the Field. Playing the Field has developed a dating and community app centered around our sports fan lifestyle. It is a great sports-focused interface from their profile trading cards in your favorite team's colors down to their bubblegum in-app currency. The best part is that right now, while they're still in beta, it is 100% free to join. And you also get extra in-app bubblegum that you can trade in when their premium features get added in a few months. Go to playthefielddating.com and sign up now to buddy up, recruit teammates, or find your MVP. Also, be sure to check out their podcast, The Fan Experience, where they interview sports fans just like you and me and let them share their fan experiences. The Fan Experience is live Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Or you can catch the replays on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can't have a team without a mate. Go and find one now at playthefielddating.com. Welcome back to the Herd and Ten podcast. I am joined by Sportsnet's Matt Marchese. He is a busy guy, so it was not the easiest to get him, but happy that we got him here now. Matt, so excited to start talking bills with you because rookie minicamp just happened, and now training camp is right around the corner, and that to me means real football is actually coming soon. How excited are you about this upcoming Buffalo Bills season? Uh, after after what we saw last year with you know the Bills getting to the AFC Championship game, and I, I think there's a lot to like here. And and what I what I think I was most excited about was um, the Bills front office and the coaching staff realized what their biggest deficiencies were, and and that was you know the pass rush and not getting any pressure on 
Patrick Mahomes and, and other quarterbacks when it mattered. And, and we saw, you know, how they addressed that in the draft. So I, I'm really excited to see this team with another year of Josh Allen. And, and if he can take another step, curious to see what the defense looks like after the, after the draft and after the additions that they made um, throughout the draft and, and the guys that they kept in free agency, um, Matt Milano being, you know, the biggest one. So I, I'm really curious to, to see what this team looks like, but I mean, on paper, they're the second best team in the AFC right now. And, and probably the biggest threat to the chiefs coming out of the AFC this year. Definitely. It's as exciting of an opportunity as us Bills fans have seen in a very, very long time. And there's a legitimate chance the Bills could even win the AFC and they could have that buy. Now, what I want to talk about here is really about the rookies because, of course, the draft just happened. Now you have a lot of undrafted free agents that the Bills have now added they've added a whole slew of guys now we don't know which guys are going to make the roster or not who's going to end up in the practice squad we really don't know this early but what we do know is they were trying to solve the defensive line you talked about it just now because the bills struggled to get to patrick mahomes and their hope is they have now solved that with drafting their top two guys in greg rousseau and of course in boogie basham now i don't know if either of those guys is going to start yet if they're ready for that, the Bills know they have some issues at the defensive line. And if you have those issues, are you going to cut some of those issues if these new rookies are really impressive? So what I want to dig into here is the defensive line going to change significantly this year. Meaning, are we going to see Ed Oliver not take that step forward and maybe play less? Maybe we see Boogie Basham take some time inside if he gets moved from the end to defensive tackle inside and more importantly i think mario addison is he gonna be on this team is he gonna get cut because we know the bills can save a whole lot of money if they cut him and if they do who's gonna fill that void you know the addison thing is we'll start with the addison thing I feel like if they were going to cut him, they would have done so already to try and address some of the issues in free agency. And that didn't happen. Now, is that stopping them from doing it? No, because if we look at, if we look at the bills and what they have done in the draft last year, they took AJ Epinesa in the second round, a guy who a lot of people thought would, would have been a guy that they would have targeted at the end of the first round last year. So that didn't happen. They got him in the second round. So they, there's one defensive end. They drafted, as we know, they drafted Ed Oliver a couple of years ago. We know that they've taken two defensive ends this season, like you said, in Rousseau and in Boogie Basham. So what I see here is I see a team that is going to continue to rotate guys. And that's been Sean McDermott's MO, trying to keep guys fresh. And I think that's how you create a really good pass rush like a constant pass rush having guys fresh the Ed Oliver thing is really interesting because I know Sean McDermott talked about it a lot last year in that Ed Oliver gets double teamed a lot and why does Ed Oliver get double teamed a lot because they're not getting pressure from the edge they don't teams don't have to commit another offensive lineman to deal with 
the other defensive tackle, or the defensive end. Anybody who was playing opposite of Jerry Hughes last year just wasn't generating enough. Mario Addison had five sacks last year. Fine. He just didn't play up to what the standard was that they were hoping he would play to. And, and that was a real concern. I think what happens now is you're bringing in these two young guys who are coming in obviously cheaper than what Addison comes in at, but they also are younger, they're fresher, they're longer. Like these guys are really long and, and Sean McDermott talked about that a lot and athletic. I just see them rotating a lot of guys throughout the offensive line in a way to generate some sort of a pass rush. Because if you can do that, like I know there was a lot of talk about the Bills addressing the need in the secondary, but if you can generate a good enough pass rush, which by all accounts, that's what their plan is right now because they know what they're going up against in the AFC. It just makes everybody better. It makes the linebackers better. It opens up holes for them. It makes the corners better. It makes the safeties better because the quicker the quarterback has to get the ball out of his hands, that's a way bigger advantage for a team like the Bills who is known to, you know, provide turnovers. So I'm really curious to see. I think the biggest key here is, is Ed Oliver taking that next step. This is a guy that a lot of people talked about, like he was Aaron Donald light. Now, Nobody should ever be compared to Aaron Donald because he may be the best football player in the NFL. So you can't really do that. But if he can be a guy that's a disruptor in the middle of the defensive line and opening up holes for either uh, Matt Milano or, or Tremaine Edmonds or any of the defensive ends, I think that's where you're going to get a huge, huge boost in your pass rush. I really like what they did. Uh, you know, the Bills put themselves in a position where they, they really could take best player available outside of a quarterback. So, uh, you know, I really like the Rousseau pickup. I know a lot of people weren't, they're kind of unsure, but we're talking about a guy who two years ago had the second most sacks in, in the NCAA behind Chase Young. Chase Young was pretty good last time I checked. So there, there's a lot to like here. I think this, this defensive line, the way it's now built has a lot of upside. And they're planning on getting Star Latulale back. What's he going to be like after a year being on the sidelines after he decided to sit out? I don't know. But if he's anything like he was when he was with the Bills a couple of seasons ago, he's going to be a guy that's going to cause problems in the run game for the opposing offense. And that hopefully will open up holes for other guys. So there's a lot of promise here. Yeah, look, a lot to unpack here. But really what I want to focus on is how you talked about the defensive line and not only loading up the defensive line, but how that may help some other players on the team. Because when we look at it, right, I brought up Ed Oliver. Perfect example. You talked about it. He was double teamed a lot. And the challenge is it doesn't matter how good he is. If he's going to be double teamed because you don't have anyone on the edge, Jerry Hughes maybe is not what he once was. We know Mario Addison is definitely not what he once was. You have a lack of talent and skill and long athletic pass rushers. And without those pieces, it's very hard to get pressure in the interior. And that's probably why Ed Oliver has struggled. You know, it's interesting because I'm concerned about Ed Oliver. I don't know if he's 
going to be what we had hoped he would become. But it's interesting the way you look at it. I like the point you make because it's not maybe what I'm looking at. It's not maybe that Ed Oliver isn't good or that there's something wrong with him. But it's that if you don't have the rest of the line working and you don't have them performing at a high level, it's going to be difficult for a guy like Ed Oliver to succeed. And we're probably going to have a better idea in the next two years if Ed Oliver is for real. Because the Bills have now spent a lot, not just money on the line, but now they've actually spent a lot of draft capital in bringing in high caliber players, or at least players with incredible potential. And if they can even reach half of their potential, that should relieve Ed Oliver and should give him the opportunity to succeed. Give him that opportunity to step up in the run game, to step up in the pass rushing game. And then, of course, if Ed Oliver can succeed in that, that would make Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano and AJ Klein's jobs much easier. I was going to bring up the linebacking core because I have some concerns about the linebacking core. But based on what you're saying, I'm starting to realize that maybe that's not quite the whole story. We have a completely other side to that. And that is, if your defensive line is not succeeding, it's very difficult for the linebackers to succeed. We shouldn't expect the linebackers to succeed if there's nothing on the pass rush side of things. If we can't get pressure... If our edge rushers can't get pressure on the quarterback, it's not only going to provide more time to pick apart the linebackers and work up the middle, but it's also not going to give them the opportunity for blitzing situations. Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, AJ Klein, they're going to struggle to get through if the line, if the offensive line doesn't have to worry about our defensive edge rushers. They can simply focus on the center and basically clog that up. Don't let Ed Oliver in. Don't let Star Latula lay in. Don't let Tremaine Edmonds in. Don't let Matt Milano in. And definitely don't let AJ Klein in. So it's great for me to talk about that the linebackers have struggled and that they don't get enough pressure and that their coverage has been poor. But maybe that falls back on the defensive line. Maybe that's something that I missed. So I'm glad that you brought that up because it's made me change my mind. It's made me realize that there's other issues going on and that there is a reason why the Bills are spending so much on this defensive line because they clearly believe it's not just about solving the defensive edge. It's about solving the interior linemen and the ability to stop the run. It's improving the linebackers and relieving them of some stress relieving Tremaine Edmonds of a duty to be able to cover for a longer period of time because the team can't get pressure on quarterbacks. And then, of course, you bring up Star Latulale, who is coming back. He was pretty impressive against the run in his previous season with the Bills. And I think that that's probably going to help a lot. Although he might not be worth all the money he's making, he may be nearing the end of his career. Not maybe. He's certainly nearing the end of his career. But he can really help stop the run. He might not be a guy that's going to get pressure. I think we expect that from a guy like Ed Oliver. 
But if he can help stop the run, it might help the overall defensive line and the linebacking core. So Matt, I appreciate you coming on. I think you brought up a lot of really important points. You've gotten me to rethink some things and think about what's more important and how you solve other issues by fixing the defensive line. So Matt, thank you so much for coming on and go Bills.